0: All the same, friends, as we turn our attention to God's Word, I invite you to um, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. So Mark, um, you find in the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, in many ways, Mark is the shortest. Um, it is a, kind of a short and sweet and to the point. If ever there was a Spark notes version of the Gospel, it would be Mark. And today we're picking up an important passage in Mark 9 that has to do with both belief, And prayer. So we'll be in Mark 9, verses 14 through 29. And the the story as a whole is about um, Jesus casting a demon out of a boy. But what's learned about God's character from Jesus along the way, and what happens, and some of the dialogue, and some of what the disciples are learning, is so important for us to hear today, to relate to, and to cling our hearts upon. So before we read God's word today, let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, you have given us your word, you have given us your Holy Spirit, so speak fresh to us today. Amen. Mark chapter 9 Robbed him of speech. "'Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. "'He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. "'I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, "'but they could not. "'You unbelieving generation,' Jesus replied. "'How long shall I stay with you? "'How long shall I put up with you? "'Bring the boy to me.' "'So they brought him. "'When the Spirit saw Jesus,' Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe! Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently, And came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. What a, both a powerful profession of faith and confession or admission of doubt all rolled up into one. That unnamed man in Mark chapter 9 might be one of the most relatable figures in the New Testament if not all of the Bible. Whether you're at a spiritual high right now and and you are just living life fully, or whether you're in a hard valley and it's been a difficult season and you're struggling, or maybe if you're somewhere in the middle, just kind of in the doldrums, like you know, I'm I'm still going through the motions, but I just I don't feel that connection in my heart. Whether we are in any of those spots or a few of them simultaneously in between, at some point or another, I think all of our life testimonies include that sentiment. Lord, I believe, but God help me in my unbelief. Help me with what I need the most. It's like saying, well, I I know that the Bible is the word of God and and I know that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. Um, I, I, I know some of the right stuff, but I just can't connect it with my day-to-day living. I can't reconcile what I know to be true in my head of God's love when I see all the pain and dysfunction in the world. I can't make the two connect. I can't bring them together. Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Help me bring all this together again. We could say that we're rather orthodox, not by a stance that we take on current political events or anything along that line, but that we... Understand what we say in the Apostles' Creed, that we have a working knowledge of faith. I believe, but help me. Help me with the things that I can't see and make sense of. Help me in my unbelief. We could take the phrase and turn it in different ways and saying, Lord, I know you are strong. Help me in my weakness. Lord, I know you are wise. Help me in my confusion. Lord, I know that you are just. Help me when I've been cheated. Lord, I know that you are righteous, so help me in my sinfulness. I think the statement is incredibly relatable. Unless we're some sort of spiritual superhero who's never struggled, never wrestled, or never had to try to figure out how we reconcile the things that we know and believe with making sense of the world. Because this conversation happens while the boy is in a convulsion. One of the things that we we love a lot of things about Jesus, and especially we love because he first loved us, but one of the things that I admire about Jesus is Jesus is never thrown off his game. The the word that comes to mind for me is unflamoxed. Jesus is never thrown off, never panicked. But the Spirit sees Jesus and immediately goes into a convulsion with this poor boy. And Jesus, not even distracted, not even thrown off, asks the father, how long has this happened? How long has this gone on? How long, with compassion, have you had to deal with this? And the father, can you, can you imagine explaining this to Jesus while well, if it was your child convulsing on the ground? And, and Jesus is asking you, well, how long has this been going on? the presence of mind that he even explains it to him, probably wanting to look at Jesus and also watching his son who is thrashing on the ground and foaming at the mouth. Help me overcome my unbelief. But there's a moment of transformation that happens here. And it's not just with the earlier words of Jesus. And if, if those words hit you a little bit hard in verse 19 where Jesus says, He rebukes them almost saying, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. If that sounds a little bit harsh, I would encourage you either to remember or to go back to last week's live stream and watch and listen to what Angela explained uh, with that passage, with the same kind of sentiment of Jesus kind of rebuking people for lack of faith when they were in the boat in the storm. So we're not going to redo that, because it was done well last week. But Jesus has that moment of saying, come on, come on, especially to the disciples this is directed. How long will you not get it? How long will you not live into this newer way of life that I am ushering you into? But the moment of transformation happens something subtle with what the man asks, If we contrast verse 22 from verse 24 with Jesus saying everything is possible for those who believe right in the middle of verse 23. In verse 22, the man says, help me. In verse 22, take pity on us and help us if you can do anything. And Jesus, kind of a realistic, almost sarcastic Jesus, if you can, (laughs) do you know who you're talking to? If you can do anything? I was there when the earth was created, when the sun, moon, and stars were set in place. But when, he first, when the man first says, take pity on us and help us, he says it with a sense of completed action. This is just one of those nerdy little Greek grammar things that I was uh, compelled to look up. The first time he says help, he says it as a one and done kind of help. If you can do anything, help me. Help me just this once with just this one thing. Like completed action, like I ran a mile. It's been a really long time since that's happened, but completed action. Just this once, I'm asking you this one request, God. This is all I want. This is all I need. And what heart of a parent would not say, just help me with this one thing. Do this one thing. Check this one box. Answer this one prayer and i'll be good to go help me with a sense of completed action that it's finite and done when jesus says if you can everything is possible for those who believe then the man declares i do believe and he uses that word again help help me with my unbelief but there's a difference The first help is asked for a sense of completed action. I ran a mile. The second time it is asked in an imperfect way, meaning indefinite, continuous action. Not help me one and done, but help me continuously without end. Never stop helping me. Do you think of how much of a difference that would make? The first help, is one item and one only as if to say do this and i'll stop bothering you and god would say when you pray to me you're not bothering me i long for you to talk to me more help me do this one thing the other is help me continuously not i ran a mile but help me run miles continuously indefinitely like cross-country style running. There is no end to this type of help that the man asks Jesus for in verse 24. Help me always and forever. Never stop helping me. And in fact, even if you do answer this one prayer, even if this one thing that I long for with all my heart, even if this prayer is answered, don't stop helping me there. There is a moment of transformation and realization I'm going to keep needing your help forever. I will always need your help. I believe, I believe, head, heart, help me always, continuously, with my unbelief. Help me walk through all of the doubts that I'll face. Help me with this one trial I'm facing, but don't stop helping me because I know there will be more. Help me out of this moment of confusion where I cannot understand why a loving God would let this happen to my son. But you know what? Help me next time too, when something else happens that I can't figure out how to make sense of in my heart and mind. Help me and never stop helping me. Overcome my Unbelief it is a continuous action. Instead of saying to God in prayer, "Do this one thing and I'll back off," we lean in harder and even more and say, "Never stop helping me." I think there's very sincere prayers offered when you're getting ready for a long drive and the weather's a little dicey, and we might say, "God, help us get from point A to point B safely totally fair and fine and good as a prayer. But that, that's not the end of our prayer life. For one, when we get there, we should say, thank you, Lord. Don't forget to say thank you. Please and thank you are good manners. They're also very good prayer habits. Please and thank you to God. But it doesn't end there. There will be another road trip. There will be another journey. There will be another trial that we will face. And so our prayer is never really done. Help me in my unbelief. Don't finish up helping me just because the things that I can see are done. The profession of faith, Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief, is to say I will need you every hour of every day that I'm never really done asking for your help. And that this actually brings God joy. That that God does not intend to be our cosmic vending machine for input, output. Do this one thing for me. Okay, I'm good for a while. No, do this one thing for me, please. I beg of you, God. But I'm not good for a while ever without you. Help me in my unbelief. Help me always. Always, always, always. It is the difference between saying, Please, Lord, fill my cup. Fill my cup today a worthy prayer as we worship on Sunday mornings. Fill my cup is one thing, and we need that, especially when things are hard and we're stressed and we're in a spiritual desert and we're feeling just a little bit parched, then we definitely need to just say, fill my cup, because I just need a little something to get me started to go into the week. But ultimately, we're saying, be a fountain of life within me. Don't fill my cup just today, but, but... bubble up in my soul, dwell within me all week long until I come back again. Hear my prayer now, but, but don't stop paying attention to me when I'm not praying. Watch me always, O oh God. It's as if uh, the, the hymn, I Need Thee Every Hour, comes to mind. And just so you know where we're headed over the next several weeks, we're going to be pulling from classic old hymns and preaching on the verse that inspired them and goes along with them, but learning something about the words and the setting in which these hymns came about. And so, spoiler alert, next week will be I Need Thee Every Hour, because it's a follow-up to this passage. It's not the one that inspired the song, but it's a follow-up. I Need Thee Every Hour, not just Sunday morning hour, not just my quiet times of prayer, but I Need Thee Every Hour when I'm presently begging for a miracle to happen, and every other moment of every other day and night. Not help me with this one thing in life, but help me in all of my life. All of my life. Every area of it. Every corner. Fill my cup, but ultimately be a fountain of life within me as I walk in step with your Holy Spirit. This is a transformative prayer that this man asks. And of course, his request is granted. Jesus rebukes the spirit and says, "And I wonder, you know, interpretation, when you read your Bible, how do you read the tone of voice that is used by the different people who are speaking? It's the first line of interpretation is what we, how we say it out loud or how we hear it in our head. And I wonder just what, how do you hear Jesus rebuking that spirit You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Or is he mad that this spirit has plagued this boy for so long? I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Or do we get the sense of definitive action? Come out of him and never enter him again. I don't know what tone of voice was used but I think the way we read Scripture is how we've been shaped and formed, and maybe what's going on in our lives right now, what prayers we are asking for to be answered. Jesus casts the Spirit out of the boy, and we trust that the Spirit never entered him again. The prayer was answered, but what changed first is that the man's one singular prayer was not just answered, but rather he, in a way, committed his life to Jesus by saying, help me always and forever with my unbelief. Help me with all the things that I can't make sense of. Help me through those hard times too. Not just the one miracle, but all of life. But then the disciples, later on with Jesus, follow up because, you know, they've been given the power and authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick. Why didn't this work for them? Why couldn't we drive it out? They ask privately because, you know, you don't want to embarrass yourself too publicly. It's the right setting to ask, why didn't this work? To ask your teacher or mentor in private, where did I go wrong? What what can I do better? How did I miss that? And in this private conversation, Jesus says this kind of demon, this kind, can only come out by prayer. This kind can only come out by prayer. Hmm. That speaks something profound to us. Because I think the disciples were going with the verse 22 kind of help me prayer. All right, here's a demon-possessed boy. All right, demon, get out of here. Ask an answer. But what Jesus is after when he says by prayer is that same kind of indefinite, continuous prayer that we dwell with God that we're not just thinking about God when we're praying or when we're here, but that Jesus is saying, this kind can only come out by prayer. This kind of demon will only listen to you and heed your rebuke if you are saturated in God's love, that you are so close to walking in step with God that even the demons hear you and flee. Only can come out with that type of prayer that says, Lord, I believe. Help me always and forever with my unbelief. Lord, help me with this thing in life, but help me in all of my life, all the time. Lord, I know you are strong. Help me in my weakness. Lord, I know you are wise. Help me in my confusion. Lord, I know you are just. Help me when I'm cheated. Lord, I know you are righteous. Help me in my sinfulness, always and forever. So in just a moment, friends, we're going to ordain and install elders and deacons. And these are people that have been nominated and and called. And one of their responsibilities, one of the most important responsibilities for them to heed is to pray for the church, for the congregation. And also we ordain and install publicly because we're saying we all need to pray for each other. Pray for those who hold these offices and respect their authority and bless them and pray that the Lord may keep them and protect them and give them all they stand in need of if you're being ordained and installed, make sure that we also are mindful of this type of prayer. Not just the one and done, but help me in all areas of my life all the time. So that the type of prayer that casts out even this stubborn demon who plagued that boy, that that's the type of prayer that we're living into. So as we step into this year, let's pray and let's pray hard. Let's pray continuously. Pray without ceasing. Pray for specific things, for sure, for the list that we have that we take home with us to pray for our friends and community throughout the week, but also to remember that we need God every hour, over every part of our life, even in the parts that seem good and certain. Lord, I believe. I believe. Help me every day with my unbelief. Let's pray. God, your light shines in the darkness. Your light does not get tired. Your light does not get weary. Your light continues to witness itself. Lord, give us that same strength to believe. And may you help us in our unbelief. May you help us when we can't make sense of the world. May you help us in every hour. May you help us even in the moments that we're too distracted, that we're not thinking about you. May you help us always then, and may that be our understanding of prayer. So Lord, fill our cup this day. Give us what we stand in need of. Give us this day our daily bread. But as we seek your Holy Spirit, as we seek to be transformed by you, Be a fountain of life within us that overflows, that we may love because you first loved us, that we may love our neighbor without hesitation, without pause, because you, O Lord, are our strength, our hope, and our righteousness. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray.